within the film and TV space, I think there's still a lot of work to be done because we're su- like regional voices are such a minority that it's just really hard to make people aware that there's so much more value in the kinds of stories and the way that we're trying to tell them. This is Life on the Land, a Grazy Her podcast telling stories of women living in rural, remote and regional Australia. It's Sky Manson here, your host for this, our last episode in our ninth season of Life on the Land. Today we meet Beck Bignall, a girl with her roots firmly planted in her family's sheep and wheat farm near the great southern town of Kojanup. But her tentacles reach far wider than that. Beck is a passionate filmmaker and producer who is determined to get the real regional, rural and remote Australia on screens everywhere. She wants more films shot in rural Australia. She wants crews to spend more time learning about rural Australia by living there. She wants more rural Australians employed in the film industry, especially if they're filming in your town. And she wants film crews to remain invested in these regional communities long after filming is done. Given the conviction of this conversation, I just have a feeling that Beck will succeed. Her film, Homespun, is a prime example of what can be achieved and the kind of nuanced stories that we need to be telling. Keep an eye out for its release later in 2022. We started this conversation by talking about Beck's career path to date, and I found it interesting that she also used to work for the ABC. So I was in... um I originally started in the ABC International Division in Mm -hmm. Sydney Mm -hmm. and that was um, a service that rebroadcast into Asia. So it basically had like a 24-hour programming cycle of content that was primarily ABC content, things like um, Landline and, you know, programs that um, translate well sort of globally and then also um, other content. So, you know, they were able to license from, you know, other networks and things like that, like MasterChef and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if you sort of travelled into um, Asia and you had a, you know, TV in a motel room, chances are you probably would have seen um, Australia Plus, it was called at the time. So I started in that division and then moved into ABC Commercial Um which, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. And I, I really just decided to leave because I was at that point where I thought if I want to do something for myself, I probably want to get started before I do have kids. I sort of had made that choice. Um, I think just I thought I really want to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling now kind of thing um, at that age. So I decided to go out and do my own things like produce my own stuff and um it was great because I had um a really amazing time with the very first thing that I did with a bunch of friends uh which we sort of we sort of used it as our opportunity to you know experiment be a bit risky and I guess create something that we wanted to watch and um it did it did really well so it was um picked up by the BBC and then sort of had a really successful run internationally and is now available on Netflix here in Australia. And it it was just a really great project because we were all at sort of a similar point in our career and 
we were sort of at that nice crunchy stage where like no one was really looking at us. So we could kind of do things that, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to do now, um, you know, just in terms of like really, really um, going hell for leather on stuff. And um, it was a great experience. Like it was very intense because we did everything. Um, which I still seem to be doing because I do enjoy getting my, you know, fingers into all of the different parts of the project. But um, that kind of leveraged us and helped, like for me, film and TV is something that I really wanted to make a lot more accessible to regional people because it's very different going from videography, you know, like creating videos and professional videos and stuff and actually scripted um projects which there's a lot of a lot involved in sort of the contracting the distribution it's it's quite um complex and I really wanted to immerse in it so that I could find a way to actually empower regional people to be involved in that process telling regional scripted stories in particular because I feel like there's a lot of really good factual programs and really good documentaries that focus around the regional experience. But I really do feel that the scripted landscape, which is often more accessible to city people. So, you know, with a lot of the kind of documentary or factual programs, there'll be a big country following that really appreciate and enjoy the shows. But with a lot of the scripted shows that are very mainstream, you'll get a nice combination of city and country audiences. And I thought, that's a really nice point to educate people because it's just not country people just talking to country people. It's actually country people, well, country people have a story that city people are watching, but I thought there was a bit of a problem if that story is being created by city people because it's where they're seeing primarily the experience of the country. And in most of those shows and even now, um, the storyline revolves around a romance or you know a guy on the land you know or a girl who falls into a country community and then falls in love or then um you know a girl who's in the country community who then goes to the city for love and I thought I just want to see something where they don't leave they're very happy with their life in the country it doesn't revolve around romance being the key thing that's sort of like mm. the you know highlight in their lives and it actually gives a better look at the layers in these communities and the different kinds of things that people do. So being the daughter of a farmer, I'm very, um, you know, very strongly champion the enterprise of ag and regional contribution that agriculture makes for Australia here and overseas. But I'm also um, conscious of the fact that there's a lot of other characters and people within the regions that often don't get heard at the expense of the ag story because um, traditionally that's been you know the kind of I don't know it's had a lot of support and so I think for me the thing I love about country communities is it's such a melting pot you know like there really is a lot of different people a lot of different experience people there who have been there for generations people that come in for a short period of time and might move on like there's a lot there's mm. really exciting stories that go well beyond drought and um you know some of the ways that the media and the city media try to kind of pigeonhole us you know there's lots of innovation there's lots of um 
exceptional creativity, which is obviously my focus, um, and just some really different stories that I think if we just refocused the way that we look at some of these stories, there's an, an education for city people that isn't, um, you know, like when people talk about crossing the bridge, closing the gap kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be an awareness as well that of the city person's life, you know, like they're busy, mm -hmm. they've got kids going to school. If there's not a real reason for them to look at a story of provenance or something that's like important to a regional person, then they're probably not going to invest in it, you know, like because they're just busy and it's not necessarily because they don't care. It's just not, if it's not mm. visible to them, then they just won't necessarily think about it. So I think for me, when I think about like the practical part of that idea, I'm thinking it from the point of view of, okay, what can we do to actually show that there's a really different story about some of the things that we know of in the bush? Like, you know, creativity thrives in the bush because there's solitude, there's nature, there's a lot of things that really make it a really great environment for an artist, a writer, um, you know, any any kind of creative. Anyone. Anyone, exactly. Yeah. Anyone, anyone. And I think that's that's actually one of the stories I wanted to tell in Homespun is that the creative person in the bush doesn't just look like you know, the person with the colourful outfit and the crazy earrings and the coloured hair. Like it can be the shearer who actually, you know, is actually also playing the guitar in his yep. downtime. Or it can be the farmer that writes, you know, prose in his landmark book when he's sort of inspired by something or, or things like that. Like I wanted it to be perceived in the accuracy that it is that I've mm. seen going through these communities yes. it's so nuanced it's so it's so very nuanced and I think you touched on it before like that um the cliche of bridging the divide such an overused action or call to call to action um that hasn't really ha has been done well um but can be done so much better and so how are you um I definitely want to talk more about the ins and outs of homespun, but this, what you're taking on is quite, is so complex. And it's just by way of that explanation before it's really, it, there's a lot, there's lots of facets to it. And so how is it being, how are your ideas and script writing and trying to get regional people involved being um, accepted or being um, treated by the likes of <laughs> people in the city? Yeah, I think it's still a long way off. Um, I, I get a lot, <clears throat> often I'll get, and we've got really good, like large businesses that are really supporting us, which we're very fortunate to have. Um, but there's, within the film and TV space, I think there's still a lot of work to be done because we're su like regional voices are such a minority that it's just really hard to, um, I guess make people aware that there's so much more value in the kinds of stories and the way that we're trying to tell them than that mm. one that I was talking about mm. before that kind of stereotype. they're sick of the stereotype and they don't is, know what what it's really like. No and I think publications like um, Grazier are, are exactly what we need to show that you know the more that we can 
illustrate that the experience is so much more deep and there's an audience for that, that they actually want to see these stories, the more people will start to take note. Like I will often kind of get the like pat on, on the head of like, oh, that's very cute. Like, oh, the regional regional arts girl. Good on you for giving it a go. <laughs> Good on you for giving it a go. And that's frustrating for me because I wish, you know, I'm doing a lot in a lot of different ways to kind of show the value of it. And Homespun for me was about being able to just show it. Like I made it and it's sort of designed as a prototype because I knew that I wasn't going to get the support to make it in the way that I wanted to. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. And then at least there's one out there that we can go, okay, cool. And then we can develop on that experience and kind of keep expanding out through that. So that was a really important project for me to actually show show what it was that I was sort of saying can occur and lots of the people that were involved in the project were members of the community were shearers were teachers were um, business owners everything like that so they also were able to have an experience of it and their storytelling capacity and their ability was just mind-blowing like Mm. this they were so good and I'm talking kids right through till much older people as well every single person learned all their lines they invested in the project so well their creativity was just I mean it's evident how did you how did you find those people are they actors or you just no you just pick them up off the street out of the paddock (laughs) because I made it encroaching up they're all members of my community so um the shearing team uh Brendan Boyle who plays sort of the head shearer and his team was the team that I you know used to rouse about with when I was at home on the farm for holidays and so I've known them my whole life and then that was the same with everyone else involved so um my good friend Jamie McVeigh um she and her family have been a really strong part of the community, you know, as long as I've ever known. And um, her whole family was involved. Um, so she's um, a Noongar from Krojnap who is just like got so much talent and so much, you know, energy and charisma, but just has obviously never had an opportunity to have, a, you know, film film crew around her and all of her members, her family were in it and they were just brilliant. Like her young child, Kyan, just had that star quality that, um, you know, you don't see often. So for me, I'm also about saying to the city, and this is a really big part of it, like you need to get out to the regions and actually integrate with the communities, particularly when these big films are happening. I personally get quite vocal about the fact that if they're going into a community to use the landscape that's in the film, which we know that they love to use because there's a real attraction to it overseas. So, you know, a project will sell very well if there's kind of that distinctive Australian look in it. So if you're going to go into communities where there are communities that have been there for thousands and thousands of years, and um, people that have been in those communities for a really long period of time, then there really needs to be not a box ticking sort of commitment to connecting with these communities. It needs to actually be quite deep and they need to really, you know, if there's people in the town that have creative aspirations, they should be asked to be involved, not sort of just as runners or extras and things like that, but it should be an opportunity to go, is there anyone in this town that's interested in film and TV? Because you know, for me, 
if that opportunity had existed, I just would have, you mm. know, it would have been everything. Mm. And, and then it's important to make sure that that support remains. So it's not about just a one-off thing that mm. there's somehow, and that, that connecting piece is hard because you do need support from the city to enable those pathways to kind of be properly supported so that mm. people ha- can have an opportunity for a career in the space. Mm. All people that can be involved in some level, even if it's, you know, crew, people in sound or in below the line roles, it's going to naturally infuse more of the regional voice into some of these stories yep. because just by being in the crew and being in that mm. culture, they're going to share nuance, Yeah. How did you, just taking a tiny step back, so how did you, you said that you have got the support of some very big companies or businesses. Yeah. How did you get them on board initially? I think it was a couple of things at once. Like it did help having the project that I sort of had done initially, 600 bottles of wine. Mm. People could see that, okay, she's got at least some runs on the board that give her a bit of credibility within that world. It can be, you know, quite hard to prove yourself and it's just in the industry, you're constantly having to kind of, show something tangible you know to get people to support it because it is so um, specialized and then I think that gave them a bit of an insight and so I created Rule Room the platform online platform sort of at the same time because my major focus was always to bring back this skill set to the regions but I knew that to do that I actually had to have success outside of the regions to make it sort of sexy for people to go okay yes this is invest correct Mm. so having those two things that have happened at once was helpful rule room was always very clear in terms of its vision for me I just wanted to have a platform where there were more regional stories that um, were created by regional people that had a real artistic focus so you know really showed the value of the arts and film and tv and all manner of arts you know art itself and, and music and performance and everything for people that don't know, um, can you flesh that out a bit more? What's is it? Is Rural Room a platform where people can go to see these kind of things, or is it um, a connector? It's sort of, I think, become more of a connector now. Like I think when I started it, I, I was my intention was I want more stories told by regional people because I just found when I was working you know, within the media in cities, that there was just such a lack of regional people being given the power to tell their own stories. But then when I started it, I quickly found that there was just all of these creatives coming out of the woodwork, I think because of the platform being Facebook that we started it on at the time, which was about, yeah, five years ago, people found it was a good um, way to kind of identify as being creative even if they hadn't you know like if they weren't considered that in their communities kind of thing so Mm. you had all these really interesting people coming out of all different places because they were aligned with the content that I was sharing and creating and writing about and it really very quickly kind of attracted a, a big group of people and it was before all the algorithms and everything sort of changed. So I think we were lucky because I think a year after that, everything sort of changed. And I think it would be, be a lot more difficult now to kind of just have that like open slather in terms mm. of just um, having people just find us and engage with us. And so <clears throat> we recognised, okay, this is really interesting because we've got all these artists, filmmakers, writers kind of 
naturally coming to us. Let's sort of see if we can, I guess, tell the story of these people being here. And the idea kind of transitioned naturally because of, of the fact that there was this huge popularity with all these regional people coming to us. And what we found is that Facebook or social media allowed us to kind of map that footprint because being in the regions, we even had creatives that were sort of in a town next to another town that they didn't know that there was another creative that they would like to connect with so close to them because their communities had sort of operated in a bit of a silo. So, you know, if you did your shopping, you kind of just primarily went to this town, yet they were in distance only like an hour away. And so we were able to not only map the people that were coming to us, but also show them where each other was so Mm. that then they could also kind of start to collaborate if they wanted to, you know, if there was a photographer and a writer or a videographer and, things like that and that sort of gave birth to the media stringers network which we created um and continues to grow and now that whole platform has turned into a um a creative agency so we work to get work and that if it's a job where regional creative should be hired it goes to the regional creative as opposed to having someone from the city kind of come in and COVID actually really amplified what it was that we were trying to achieve with that because people were forced to use because they they couldn't travel and then they were pleasantly surprised like again there was just such a stigma attached to regional creatives and I think in some parts I understand where it comes from because there is a lack of access for um, upskilling you know particularly when it's like video there is a need for that level like a really high level of skill support and education Mm. and so for something like that um I understood you know because when we go through with the stringers there is a level of um support we need to provide to make sure that there is the same level and in my mind and I always say this to the stringers we actually need to be better than what you can get in the city because Mm. we've got that sort of Mm. um you know, stigma working against us. And and they all are like, I mean, not just the quality of work, not just the authenticity of their work, but their attitudes are so good, you know, because everyone's just a doer. Everyone is just really wonderful to work with, like just really lovely attitude and so supportive of each other. It's been a really enjoyable journey and we're, and we're just sort of growing and growing, but there still is a lot of work to be done And to your earlier point, it is still a long road that we've got to go because decision makers and gatekeepers don't make decisions based on something being, you know, like in a a lot of places, a nice thing to do. So I really have to be able to demonstrate the value beyond it just being, you know, something that is a good thing to do. But I think that some, you know, like for me, it's not a hard thing to be able to describe what the impact can be because I believe that the Australian stories can be completely enhanced by more regional voices because Mm. some really interesting characters, storylines, experiences and things like that, that, and of course I'm talking sort of more through that fictional lens that I think will really be appealing to Australian audiences. So easily actually to connect with. It's just that they're not there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it so much. So it's, you're obviously based in Western Australia and, but you've worked in the, um, in the East coast on the East coast. Do you find a difference between the, the two sides of Australia? Yes. You're nodding. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and I'm transitioning at the moment, like, <clears throat> you know, like I'm going through a lot of, I guess, transitions as a mother, you know, as a um, sort of back in Western Australia again. And it, it, there is a difference, I think, because the East Coast has got like Queensland and, um, you know, Victoria so close together and the three, certainly for film and TV, like, you know, Queensland's doing some incredible things. Um, Victoria's always been known for its strength and its arts. And I do feel that WA is quite isolated. Mm. It's It's got a beautiful, as you know, like an incredible landscape that lends itself to so many different kind of stories because the diversity of the landscape is just so, you know, vast. But definitely the there is, I feel, a little bit less opportunity here than what was available sort of on the East Coast because everything sort of like a natural hub. But I see that as being a positive thing because in some ways there's just like a freedom to that because, mm. and, and also it's a bit like I suppose the regional experience where you just innovate, you know, because mm. you can't work in that same environment. So you find ways to deliver the things that you need. And I think that's the same as being in WA. The industry over here is really supportive. And I think it's got um, a really clear future for how it intends to kind of grow and expand. Um, there's a lot of people have come back from COVID as well. So there's sort of like this mm. renewed creative um, hub going on as well. And like I said, I just, the lifestyle here is really wonderful. And I, I feel like that, again, lends itself to creativity as well, because it's not as, it's not working at the same sort of high energy stress mm. sort of thing. So I find that I'm more creative, you know, because I'm not forcing myself to do things. It's sort of that natural creativity, which I enjoy yeah. the most. It's a bit more grounded. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Beck, tell me about your childhood and coaching up and growing up on a farm and that life oh yes I love talking about this because <clears throat> it was just an amazing experience I grew up on a beautiful farm in a really wonderful community my grandma is a writer so we always had a very um we had a lot of encouragement to be creative and and my mum is um really creative as well so we were encouraged to play you know access our imaginations all the time mum and my granny would take us to performances and I just loved um the whole experience like I used to walk around the farm on the weekend and walk down to the creek and just write stories or when we were doing any of those sort of like you know laborious um farm activities like burning stubble and like pulling a rake along or picking up stones and things I used to always um use that time to kind of create like and, and I just was a really creative kid and I think I was always really conscious of what because I was so ambitious from quite a young age I was always really conscious of what like how hard it was being from the country in regard to what I wanted to be able to do and it just wasn't possible you know like mum and dad drove so many miles to get us to the things that we wanted to do anyway but um we just weren't able to do things like you know major productions and things like that because they you can't drive three and a mm. half hours to the mm. city like every day so 
Um, anyway, I kept like I never stopped creating and doing all manner of things, mainly encouraging family and friends to be involved in all sorts of weird and wonderful productions. <laughs> <laughs> productions which I think um my dad said to me the other day because we're sort of looking at um developing out season two of homespun and we we shot season one on the farm and dad was like I there is no way you are <laughs> coming back I'm to not the doing farm. it again it was like I'm not doing it again that was your last wild creative idea that we are ever <laughs> that we are ever entertaining Oh, it just is yeah. so awesome to me. Like I look at the trailer and stuff for Homespun, it is so unbelievably professional. It's not in any way second class. It's completely first class. And But the story behind that is this, that you had to convince your dad who was telling you that you're being nuts that you should be able to do it on your own farm and you utilised everybody within the community. It's, it's just awesome. It was amazing. I actually think the story behind the story is like really, really great. And it's funny because we haven't talked that much about it to this point. It's, you know, like dad was having to do stuff like go and get, like what they invested was just incredible. He'd have to go and get like a mob of sheep, like work in with the schedule of the film. Mm-hmm. We had mum and like neighbours catering together. We had people that were in the film bringing utes and dogs and like it was just this hub and we, and the whole town as well, like we literally took over the town. Everyone was so generous. Everyone was, you know, just really patient, um, committed. And we shot the whole thing in like less than two weeks, which which I think in some ways is um, a little bit deceptive because the quality is so good. It sort of puts it in the category of like a, you know, big budget sort of show. We made it on the smell of an oily rag and and people sort of, you know, gave their everything for nothing. Um, Well, not nothing, but, you know, the the joy of being involved. Um, But it really sort of in some ways is in a funny space because it looks like incredible but actually we have had to cut corners in certain places because we just we didn't have any budget for it because we we did get some budget and we got we got really amazing support from people like screen west in in wa they they backed it which was awesome because they saw the innovation in it and so Mm. i really respected that and um and telstra and awi and a bunch of and the local shires so everyone on the ground was could see that vision Mm. um and I scraped together what we needed to kind of get it over the line and there's beautiful um animation in it as well I really wanted it to be artistic I really wanted the experience to feel entertaining artistic different fast-paced and we've stitched it together so it's a it's a web series which is short form but one of the things I really wanted to do was make it accessible to regional people in cinemas because we did a survey and sort of like five years ago and we had lots of regional people saying they wanted more access to cinema in um, in their communities. So that for me was a really big part of what I wanted to do. And we went to Cinefest. We, we've done about four big festivals in um, WA and regional WA we're about to go to Winton um, Outback Film Festival. So Vision is Splendid Festival in Winton. 
in Queensland. And for me, I really wanted to make sure that it was accessible to country people before city audiences, like really flip that. Mm. And I was a bit worried because it's so, like, it's so, um, I wouldn't say provocative, but it, you know, definitely pushes the envelope across a range of different things. So I also wanted country people to have the opportunity to reflect on themselves because I mm. think another one of the possibly negative impacts of all these like really stereotyped rom-coms and things that we've sort of seen that have been available to the mainstream media is that country people that watch those things then sort of start to identify as that romantic image that's been created for them. So I wanted to allow them to, um, you know, because there are frictions and tensions and things like that that are in regional communities. And one of the themes that I'm interested in is this salt of the earth idea that we've always attributed to regional spaces, which I think that we need to be careful about that sometimes because it can mean that we suppress really important conversations because, oh, that person's too vocal or, you know, like that, you know, you've got to be humble and sit back mm, down and sort mm. of, you know, and, and certainly like, you know, I've been involved in Visible Farmer, which is the um, documentary series about women on the land. And there still are attitudes around, you know, the role that women play and, um, and the, what they should play and what they should be perceived as doing. But, you know, women provide a lot to farming enterprises and regional enterprises, and they haven't necessarily been able to identify themselves in those in those capacities yep. for a very long period of time. Mm. And I think it's important that we allow people to talk about stuff that's, you know, that is different, that is a different perspective and and let those conversations sit and um, not kind of turn them off by saying, oh, you know, you're too big for your boots and she's not grassroots. Yeah. I love that, yes, that you say t- turning turning them off, that we consciously turn it off because it doesn't fit the um the narrative of the stereotype that's sort of imposed on regional Australia is so interesting and it's exactly right and I love I just seeing from one (laughs) one of the clips that sticks with me from um from the film is the scene in the yards where the um (laughs) wife I'm assuming just cracks it and leaves it and like hasn't everyone experienced that it's so awesome yeah, that's that's actually a sister brother um relationship. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, but that's we've true. had so many wives as well, and it like and partners come forth and say, "Oh my god, this is," you know, and the swearing. There is quite a lot of swearing in it, which I was kind of didn't even realize until we'd shot it because it was just such an authentic part of the experience. And when we had our first screening of it, I suddenly got really self conscious about the swearing and my grandma who's 94 was coming to the screening and she hates swearing and I called her and I tried to like talk her out of coming like I was like I just don't how could you 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 know you're not gonna it's not gonna you know it's pretty it's pretty different and she was like of course not no I'm definitely coming I understand it's all part of the world anyway she watched it and she really enjoyed it so I was like okay she's my benchmark is 95 year old Gran can cope with this <laughs> then yeah. I think it'll be okay because that's quite it yeah now we sort of we've sort of put the horse before the cart a little bit but could you what is what's what is it about and <clears throat> how can people see it uh I know that's been 
trooping around WA, but what about the rest of Australia? Yes, yeah. Well, it's um, the story is in some ways the story of the story. So I wanted to be able to show like two girls that were mates. I really didn't want to have, uh, I want, so I wanted the mateship of the two friends to be something that was hero within the country because often we see a lot of great stories about, you know, really strong male friendships. And I wanted this to be two women who worked um, in a shearing team who were ambitious and sort of trying to get something off the ground. So the story is that they've been selected to share their regional community with the world, with the two um producers that come out from the city and they're also two female producers so again I wanted to show the world of the city in the ambition and you know women that are actually like doing very well and focused on their careers as well and that sort of comes from obviously my experience working in my life to date where I've had the pleasure of working alongside super smart women and I just loved that idea of bringing two women and two country two city women two country women both their worlds together and also the friendships I wanted the regional friendship to be one of those old friendships where they're mates since the beginning of time really like strong and then kind of show those fickle um office relationships that can sometimes be quite uh vacuous based on the dog eat dog sort of that environment so I wanted to kind of bring those two things together ultimately the girls show that they've created with these two producers from the city gets thrown out by a broadcast exec in the city who just wants either the drought doom and gloom story or your classic sort of you know country um everything's rosy kind of moments yeah and so the girls take the reins back and they create their own show you know to to work with the community to to showcase what it's really about and the reason I wanted to do it like that was, like I said, I kind of just wanted to create a picture of what we can do mm. and then in its next lifetime actually start to drill down into some of the characters. So it's got this beautiful um, repetition of it's supposed to kind of symbolise George's imagination. So as we go through it, there's like these um, animations and then within that we meet, like see these really fun, almost like Monty Python skits of you know, like the co-op manager in his co-op store and then um, hmm. the lady who runs the fish and chips shop and the posty, like just all of these different little segments of, of life seen through different country people's eyes who often don't necessarily be involved in these kind of things. Hmm. And hmm. then when you get to the end of it, those people all kind of come together in the show that is ultimately created by the girls and you can kind of see all of the depth and the you know different ideas and you'll see that like I've layered things next to each other very deliberately so you know there's a really interesting storyline of the mum for example where she is not very visible until the end and then she has this really important monologue with her daughter George who's the protagonist and it is just very much about the importance that that women play in these country environments where they're very much, you know, often leading, even though they're quite silent or not yeah. necessarily perceived as being the leader within the team. And mm. the penny drops for George, the daughter, when she realises how the dynamic actually is within her family. Um, and so there's a lot of little things like that that are designed for 
so many different people. So people don't necessarily need to, obviously we want them to connect with the through line of the lead characters sort of taking them on that overarching journey, but we want them to actually see themselves in it. And that's actually happened. A lot of people have come up and, you know, they've really resonated with a particular character that expresses their experience of um, their life. And, and it really has been quite powerful for them because they just haven't seen that, you know, before. Mm. And it's also just, um, I wanted to tell the story through story in a creative way. So, you know, there's a really great monologue that the director, Socrates Otto, who's brilliant, he actually plays um, a role of a farmer, Matt, in the final episode, which is the show that they create. And it's just so moving because he sort of represents, you know, I suppose the mental health and the pressures, but in a way where it's just not signposted at all. Like Mm. it's not, it's not sort of an in your face explicit thing. It's just this really heartfelt moment of a man who's sitting on a chair just talking to the camera and is like broken and and he talks about you know the importance of his shed and how an empty shed is just so haunting to him and there's just things like when farmers watch it you just almost see them tear up because it's just things like a um you know like a handpiece on a that we I will cut into this monologue you know there's a handpiece that's on a on the boards of a shearing shed the impact of that is just so strong as opposed to needing to tell people to how to feel with you know the storyline if you know what I mean mm, like mm. making the action about some really kind of you know big things I didn't want to go down that path within this iteration I actually wanted to be really subtle in the messages that are very deep and powerful for a lot of different people so for some people like city audiences probably won't get the significance of that you know or they might do but for some people for whom that experience is you know very close to them will find it quite affecting Mm. and and I think seen in some ways as well Mm. because Mm. it's done in a way that yeah exactly Mm. and you know and then it's also layered with like really comical scenes like um the local co-op manager has a snack scene about bring a plate with Simon Tate um and again city audiences you know some people are like have no idea what that bring a plate thing means but then every person in the country is like you know pretty pretty down with (laughs) what that means so there's a lot of humor as well uh so um how what's the how will it be rolled out how do we see it Yes, well, it is, so ABC Commercial are the distributors for it and so they will bring it out at a point this year. Um, We're not sure where it will be available or how yet, but as soon as we know, we'll um, we'll let you know. But at the moment, we're just sort of doing festival screenings um, at, you know, exclusive festivals that we sort of think are aligned to the audience. And then um, my view is I wanted to make it, sort of accessible to the largest audience possible because I really wanted it to be up there alongside the big titles that are getting all the money to tell that story of like the bush rom-com or like Mm. you know that story I wanted it to sit there I didn't want it to be you know just another niche kind of thing yep Yep. so that's the aim hopefully we can get a home for it um sort of at that level and then if not I suppose um you know 
we'll we'll make sure that it gets out there in some way but that's our sort of ambition initially right okay so everybody just has to wait on tender hooks but there is what do they sort of search for you can see bits and pieces yeah that's right um homespun if you go onto instagram we're homespun series and then facebook i think we're just homespun and we do updates across rural room as well but we're also going to um we've got in draft form but we just haven't finished it a behind the scenes documentary about all of this great stuff that we've sort of spoken about today in terms of how it was made so um that will we'll sort of start to promote that over the next couple of months like complete it and promote that um and then that'll kind of hopefully lead a few more people to it so they can start to understand what it is I'm trying to do outside of just the story itself Mm, I love it and last question is what you mentioned the next iteration what do you hope that to be oh I really I really hope and again it might take another series until it gets sort of mainstream support but I'd love to do it with the right budget do it with the right support and really go deep into some of the great characters that we've met and some of the storylines really flesh them out I like the idea yeah you'll just see there's this wonderful character that's played by um, Heather Mitchell who plays um, Pamela Monterra who is the um, broadcast executive in the office she's brilliant it's very fun Mm -hmm. and I really like the idea of um, sort of bringing some of the city into the country in the kind of remote working capacity that we've seen through COVID to look at you know the impact that that's had on communities and to um, flesh that out and then maybe throw a few like interesting relationships to the mix with those kind of intersections really rise the stakes raise the stakes but not stray from kind of different unique thing that it is so extend on the story world dig down into a few more kind of more traditional story arcs and then allow it to retain its creative sort of flair with this animation and, um, you know, the intersperse of the characters in the country and all the little rituals that are just beautiful, you know, themes of childhood and season and those sorts of things and the way that we live in the country where we're not sort of in that same city time frame as well. I really want to explore some big ideas around that With the view again, like I really want to stray from, you know, someone had said to me, um, oh, you need the friends to have a fight, you know, for dramatic stakes and tension. And I really didn't want that to be the case because the friendship that this was based on, I actually haven't had a fight with that person. And it's not because we, you know, avoid difficult conversations. It's just because we have very honest conversations. Mm. So there's not really a need for us to fight because... Mm we're sharing our vulnerabilities and things like that all the time. And so there's just this constant evolution of the friendship, but it never sort of would get to the point where it's, you know, this outrageous drama for that Mm. particular friendship. So I really wanted to protect that. And I kind of want to do that in the season two as well. I want to make sure that we're not going that kind of easy way out of throwing plot grenades, you know, like killing this person off or, making that person fall in love just for the sake of it I really want the audience to fall in love with these very relatable but small details of things and that's one thing that I've said about the series which is quite different from a traditional series is that the audience connects with moments not plot 
So there's just tiny moments in there that you go, oh, yeah, that I totally get that or that means something to me or it might even plant a seed in your mind that you kind of think of and ruminate over sort of like for a long period afterwards as opposed to climax and then everyone there's mm. a resolution mm. there's not that sort of payoff in this I want it to be a different experience there's so much more to talk about but I'm going to leave it there and let you go I just can't wait for this to fully eventuate in front of us and we can for us all to be able to consume it so thanks I know it's a public holiday there Beck. so thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us on life on the land oh thank you so much for having me Sky it's really uh, incredible to have people like yourself and platforms like Grazier to support the stuff that we're doing because the more that we can talk about it hopefully the more support that we'll get and um, that change will happen hopefully a little bit quicker you kind of get the feeling that Beck is one of those energizer battery kind of girls don't you I think what an absolute asset to rural Australia and I don't know about you but I'm already in my mind scheming up ways to try and get a screening of Homespun to visit our community. If you missed it, Beck's film, Homespun, will be rolled out by ABC Commercial at some stage this year in 2022 so you can't actually see it yet but in the meantime it is doing the rounds of various film festivals so keep an eye out for it there. That brings to end another season of Life on the Land for Grazy Her. Thank you so much for your endless support of this podcast. And we, in turn, are honestly endlessly appreciative of you turning up again and again and again. We do love it when you share our work with new audience members. Maybe you might know a film director or a producer or an actor or a techie or a crew member. We'd love it if you shared this episode with them and help us to spread the word of all the fab women that we are interviewing. Speaking of fab women, the winter edition of Grazy Her is absolutely exploding with them. It's on sale now at stockists all over Australia. Thanks for listening and we'll be back with you again soon with a whole new season of Life on the Land stories. 